Today, Taylor Lorenz tells Joke of the Year. We maybe get to a couple other news stories, but most importantly, are you the patriarchy? Because you probably should be. All this and more on the Self-Evident Podcast. Mm. Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey. You got Mike. We're here for you. That's thrilling face. Enthusiastic, brimming with energy. Just like Energy Ops, LLC. Go ahead. Go to energyops.us. Check them out. Residential, commercial. They do renovation. They do all the work. Charleston, South Carolina. Go to Energy Yeah, Ops. get it so, going. Yep. I want to get the sponsor out of the way, <clears throat> right? Because if you drop off, you don't hear this. Sponsor. Also, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Check out our new year on newsletter. Become a part of the, yeah. of the campaign and sponsor. Be part of the movement. That's right, because we're kicking butt. Yes. Get yourself a shirt. Get yourself a book. Do what you need to do. Support us. We need it. Truly. We have starving children. I will. Remember you. Anyways, game on. Mm. Here we go. Taylor Lorenz. Do you remember her, a little Wapo journalist slash tech reporter? She's done again. She's broke the internet. She writes for the Washington Post and wrote her claim on Threads. I'm wondering who's actually on Threads. I'm not even on. Threads. I'm not on Threads. I don't think anybody is. Taylor, I mean, close it's... the door on your way out. <laughs> Anyone Bruh. who's worked as a journalist, she said this, she said this, anyone who's worked as a journalist at the New York Times knows that journalists there are absolutely allowed to loudly espouse political opinions. You just have to espouse the right political opinions. Right-wing opinions are fine. Left-wing opinions are not. What? The New York Times. You're going to... Stand there and make your claim that the New York Times is right-wing. She then linked to a Substack article discussing the New York Times discouraging staffers from taking public stances opposing Israel. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with this. Now, Taylor Lorenz is a kind of wild in her mind. Um, but I could see the New York Times maybe going that route because... There's there's probably a lot of connections to uh, man I'm gonna sound like crazy right winger right now but might as well there's why not here we are there there seems to be a lot of Jewish influence on major media not, I'm not saying conspiracy I'm just saying that's you know, yeah there more than likely there <laughs> are people in positions of control you're, you're an anti semite yes that's, that's what it jeez. <laughs> All right, keep going, keep going. I, I've got the right skin color for it, oh. so it's all good. Wonder Bread Unite. In a follow-up <laughs> post, Lorenz provided an example from her personal experience working with the outlet saying, I wasn't allowed to express the opinion that online harassment was a bad thing in the midst of having my entire family harassed and doxxed. She leaves out a small minor detail that she actually doxxed somebody in a really aggressive way and caused a whole crap storm for everybody. So, Taylor, both sides. Anyways, you got anything for her? You good? 
No, I just like this one. She said, I also once had to delete a tweet where I said, <laughs> I don't like living in America, she added. But saying wokes are taking over campuses is totally fine in their book. <laughs> anyway, this is crazy. So everybody support Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Go do your thing. You want to get to the main topic? Should we just blow into it or do you see anything you want to cover? <laughs> yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. All right. Cool. I He and I were talking and we're going to shorten this one a little bit. So we're going more for a half hour. And I was thinking about this topic. Are you the patriarchy? And of course, a little bit of clickbait, but not really because and I was telling Massey this before we started. I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was looking at my family. We were all eating dinner and I couldn't help but think I am the patriarch of that family. And this, this conversation, hey guys, it's geared towards you, but ladies, listen up. Um, and encourage your husband to take this mantle. I was sitting at the table, and what hit me as a revelation is realizing the title of patriarch of the family. And now what does that mean? Because we always hear patriarchy, evil, evil patriarchy. Think about a family where the husband and father is out ahead of the family. He's leading the family. He's he's almost he's pastoring the family. He's the shepherd of the family. He's taking them. He's guiding the direction. His wife can feel protected under his covering. His children can flourish under his covering. He knows where he's going and he's leading ahead. And now think about families where the husband is passive, he's submissive. He doesn't make decisions. Well, whatever you think, dear. I do. You know, like the the family is a listless. Sally, yeah, yeah that the family doesn't have direction. I have like, I've got extended family members that I watch, and it's like, you, you're not a patriarch of your family, right? You're not a leader. You're not a leader. Like, and and the family suffers because of that. And I think. Gentlemen, especially, we've got to recognize that mantle and accept it, which means you actually have to make the decisions and you have to push forward and you have to care for and pastor your family. Yeah, I think um, in the Greek, the patriarch means a family, a father and a chief. And all those are wrapped into one. He said, you just said something about like pastoring your family. Well, a pastor doesn't just love that family. He protects that family. He nurtures that family, provides for that family, leads the family, teaches that family, exposes that family if necessary to certain situations like how to be temperate, how to be uh, grateful and thankful, like teaching constantly like the ways of the Lord or the ways of righteousness or the ways of goodness and humanity, the ways of giving, the ways... Like all of that is led by the head, which Jesus talked about. I'm sorry, it was talked about in Ephesians. Husbands love your wives as Christ of the church, but also wives love uh, respect your husbands, submit to your husbands, right as unto the Lord. So why? Because God created it in that design. The issue we have is a lot of men uh, that are married, and there are a lot of them. I'm saying a majority or most or whatever. I'm saying a lot of men get married on the basis of good looks. They get married on the basis of sex. They get married on the basis of money. They get married on the basis of uh, something super superficial. When, when you're really a patriarch, you do it for the love of it. You do it because you want to expand and grow on it. 
A patriarch, if you look at the guys like, and you wrote them in here, Abraham, Moses, David, they didn't just have families and die. Right. They expanded their family. They wanted right. more. They, they expanded their territory and their kingdom. A patriarch says, I'm going to teach how to expand our name, our our brand, if you will. If you, if, and that's a crappy term to use. But like they're, but the family name, the family legacy. Right. They're, 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 they're expa- uh, expanding their, their territory, their mark. They're leaving their kids' inheritances. They're showing them how to be businessmen, businesswomen. They're showing their wives like how honorable they should be and feel. Uh, they, they love their wives. They uh, empower their wives. They encourage their wives. They uplift their wives. They, they give their wives everything they need so that they can be a Proverbs 31 woman on this earth. So the question would be is, like he just asked, are you being a patriarch as a male figure in your household, the man of the house? Are, and it, it's where we've perverted this. Yeah, I'm the man. Man doesn't connotate power. It connotates authority. Power and authority are different things. Power can conflate a man's ego. Authority, when done rightly, can actually elevate the man to his rightful position. The Bible actually talks about rulers and leaders and church leaders in this term. Zealous of good works, those, those who act out in a good, lawful way, that they do it with love, that they do it with gentleness, that they don't lord over the people, but they steward the people. And you got to think, if you have to use aggression to get your point across, you're not leading well, I'm learning. If you have to use aggression to get your point across, you're not leading very well. You're actually demeaning and destroying your family more and more and more. You're actually telling your family that they don't matter, they don't care, that, 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 that they should just follow you blindly, that there should be no questions, that this is just what we are, this is what, what we do, is who we are. And what I'm saying is, and what he's saying is, a patriarch, a true leader of a house, will lead because the anointing is in him to lead when he's done it correctly. And I believe that's how God bestows it. You didn't get married on the basis of sex, money, greed, anything like that. You got married on the basis that God joined two people under one covenant. They leave their father and mother, and they become one flesh. When that happens, the anointing is bestowed on the man to say, now you can lead. We have the choice to walk in that anointing as a patriarch. Right, and I, I use the imagery of like, think about those, those pictures of where it's big extended family, and then you've got the patriarch at the center. And, and the patriarch's sitting there, and the whole family's around him. Or you think about these tribes, you know, or, or this the Abraham sure. sitting in the center of all of these people, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about polygamy, right? But, like, my grandfather was the patriarch of the family. I thought you were going to say, my grandfather's a polygamist. He, he was a polygamist. <laughs> was like, 17 wives and 400 <laughs> children. And, no, like, he, he was absolutely the patriarch. And it was... It's funny to look back at it of he was a very quiet dude, but it's like the whole atmosphere environment just kind of gravitated towards him. And it wasn't that he was drawing every, you know, trying to get the energy to him. He was just that fabric that held the energy of the family. And there was just this quiet authority when he was sitting in his chair of that's the dude in charge. That's the dude leading everything. And you can have that. You can have that gravitas in your family. But it means taking authority. It means walking it out, making decisions for the family 
And like, like you were saying, I think it's so important to understand how do you lead in humility and servitude, right? Like Christ wants us to lead as he led. Well, how did he lead? He discipled. He was patient. He, he called out what he needed to, but he never said, get out of my sight, right? It was always like, no, we go this way. No, you have to clear your head. We've got to go this way. Don't think of it that way. Think of it this way. Here, let me tell you this story that'll help you, right? Like he was a discipler and a teacher and a mentor, and everybody gravitated towards him because he was the ultimate patriarch, if you will. And so we as husbands or fathers, which should be intertwined, we should be the image of Christ to our family and pointing them to Christ, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I think the word has become so toxic that we're not willing to play with it and, and try to put it into practice. And so we actually leave out a massive aspect of what it means to be fathers and husbands and what it means for our family, because our family doesn't they if they don't have the the roadmap to where they need to go and how things should look they don't have the structure of it they'll be in chaos right if your children and your wife are looking for a patriarch but they don't they may not even realize they are but they're looking for one and they don't have it it turns into chaos and we've talked about before when you get a family where the mom is in charge and domineering and making all the decisions everybody is miserable including the mom. He was, oh, my mom was in charge and we were happy. I want you to really think about it, though, because was she using her energy to force her way? Mm. Or was she using her energy to truly disciple That's and exactly mentor it. and serve? That's right? exactly it. Like a Proverbs 31 woman carries authority and influence through her servitude. That's right. And I'm not saying doormat. I'm saying her servitude to her family. She nourishes her family. While the husband, father, is leading in his authority and serving that way. Right, right. I think, too, like there's a cool saying that says, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. I think that's the truth. The the best... I'm, I'm willing to serve a leader who who will I know will give me a command that he's already done and he'll do it in front of me and say, let's go do this together. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dang, you want to get in the trench with me? He's like, yeah, let's get in the trench. You know what you love? It's respect. It's like, he's not above this. He knows he's, he doesn't have to, but he's not above this. He'll do it. He'll get in the trench with me. You can respect that. It's called leadership. It's called you, you wrote in here. And I think it's really good. This means leading my family with a purpose. Do we lead with a purpose or do we, do we lead with procrastination? I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like, what is the purpose of your family? Do you have a vision plan for your family? Do you right. have a vision of where you're going in five years, ten years? Like, the Holy Spirit, people, I get this a lot because we're doing vision plans at the office, right? And, I, you know, but you're trying to tell the Holy Spirit what he's going to do. It's like, that's a, that's a cop-out. It's a vision. Lord, tell me where you want me to go, Father, in this. He can upend that, lead it, do it, whatever, and it may be even greater than the vision you got. But it's like, Lord, tell me where you want me to go so I can put my perp, like my, my, my vision on it, my focus on it, right? And go ahead. Uh, just Sorry to interrupt, but just as an aside, isn't it funny that it's the same people that say that that chase after a prophetic word? That's right. <laughs> which is vision for where God wants That's to lead exactly your life? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, it's funny. My son over there, Nathan, 
He's he's he turned thirteen uh, two days ago. It's golden birthday, huh? Wait, today's the fourteenth. I thought today's no, today's the fifteenth, isn't it? I fifteenth today, two days. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Just correct, don't correct your father. <laughs> so, but tomorrow I have some fellas coming over, and we're gonna do a rite of passage for him. And these five men are gonna speak into my son. And there's a reason. I have a vision for where they need to go. I see the gifts in them. I see what they need. I actually just talked to one of them this morning. I'm going to talk to everyone individually, just what you're getting on your heart. But just what I see in some of these men, they have the attributes of what I see in him. Now to pour in wisdom of where he's going, what he's doing. All they're doing is saying, okay, we have a vision for this little young man who's walking into manhood now. You said something over Isaiah. I thought that was great, that you're now held accountable the way we, we're going to hold you accountable the way, the way we'd hold a man accountable. And I thought that was incredible. You said it, and, and you're going to be speaking into to Nathan too. But it's like that line showed me something that if I'm going to teach my daughters and my sons, I actually only have sons, but if I had daughters, what is the vision I have for them to be raised up? How do I want them to walk? Will it always happen that way? No. But the seeds have been planted. There's been something input in, 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 uh, embedded into them. They can't escape. If they see, like if I'm a good husband, if I'm a good father, and I've taught them well, do you think your daughter, hopefully, is going to want to choose a man who's opposite that? Or say, no, that man treated my dad or my mother with respect. That man walked in integrity. That man did everything for our household. Why am I going to date some lazy dude who doesn't want to do anything and depend on me? See what I'm saying? You're elevating the game in your kids when you elevate the game as a patriarchy in your house. You elevate the game for your wife and say, I'm not accepting any less than what God has prescribed here, right? Therefore, if you're actually a good patriarchy in your house, men, you won't go to a church that's fluff either. You'll right. go to a church that can challenge us to walk more in that light. Lord, show me where I have to get rid of things that don't matter. Lord, show me where I don't need uh, 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 this kind of thing or this kind of thing. And I think too, this is, this will be controversial and I don't care. I think patriarchy destroys feminism in this respect because it's not about genders in the kingdom of God. It's not about Deborah wasn't chosen because she was a woman. Paul wasn't chosen because he was a man. Esther wasn't chosen because she was a woman. David wasn't chosen because he was a man. God chose them because that's who he anointed to do it. Right. And we put a lot of emphasis on, well, it has to be, why don't women? Why don't men? Why is there gender in the body of Christ? It's either male nor female. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Cynthia nor, or bondman nor freeman. You know, uh, Jew nor Greek. Christ is all and in all. Why do we have to focus on women and men? If we were truly patriarchies, we would show them, God created you female. God created me male, right? We all have a function here. It's not about woman and man. It's actually about what is your anointing? What are we pushing each other to? What am I... Sh what? what, what what is the vision for your life? What do you want to do so I can push you to that, right? Because I don't think it should be about women and men in the kingdom of God. I don't think it should be, well, men have been doing it, so therefore women, we're going to raise up women leaders. Why does it have to be that? All yeah. you're doing is making the body divisive and exclusive. When it shouldn't be like that. No, I'm not saying men haven't dominated and used that domineering thing, right? But if they were truly men of God, they wouldn't have done that. Do you understand Ooh, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because some have abused the position, so now we've got to scrap the whole thing. I mean, that's... That's that's, ex that's in essence what they're saying. That's what they're saying right. is, well, men have abused it, so now we've got to raise up women leaders. 
oh, so instead of correcting the the way that it's done, correcting the fault, you've now thrown it all to the side and you you, you want your own system. And I think so often we clamor for this stuff out of flesh. That's a oh, dude. So And then we use prof- prophecy in the flesh. So I've heard words like, the women are rising. Here the, come the, the Deborahs. Deborah's. Here come the Esters. Here come the Ruths. Here come the this. And it's like, or ladies, go fulfill your destiny. Go fulfill what God has called you. Not because you're a female, but because you're called of God, because right. you're a child of the Lord, right. because you're his redeemed, because you're his beloved. Go do what you're called to do. Doesn't matter if you got anatomy of a female or a male. I'm no different than you in the kingdom of God as a male. The same Holy Spirit that abides in me abided in Christ. If it abided in Christ and rose him from the dead, it dwells in me, just like it dwells in you. Why does it have to be about gender? And I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm just going to go with it for a minute here. I hear other prophecies, and it's divisive. The elders need to give up the baton and give it to the younger. That's not what Scripture says. No. That's not what Scripture says. The Scripture says the elders are supposed to teach the younger. It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with the calling of God and maturity, spiritual maturity. There are old people who get saved that are still drinking milk. It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with maturity. To me, an elder connotates maturity, right? Experience, wisdom, faith, love, abundance. I'm seeing fruit in their life. I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm talking about fruit, spiritual fruit, godly wisdom fruit. Is it about age or is it about maturity? I think that's where we miss it. See, the older people don't get it. It's the younger people that are taking the ball now. Have you seen the destruction of younger people? They're just as immature as a lot of old people are too. Don't even get it mixed up because it's the truth. It's about spiritual maturity. To me, people aren't willing, and I mean this, I mean this with all my heart. When they say don't let don't let uh don't let people despise you, don't don't let them despise your youth, right? But then they forget the second part. Don't let, let no man despise your youth. They forget the second part. But show a pattern of good works to all men. What's your pattern? Why should I tell you why should I let you as a young person take over? What's your pattern? What's the process? What have you walked in? Where are your scars, bro? Because if you don't have the scars to prove that you're ready for this, I ain't giving it to you. That's a that's an ill steward. Same thing with the older people. Where are your scars? What what's the fruit? Just because you're older in the faith does not mean you're more mature in the faith. See what I'm saying? We're almost dividing. And a patriarch, a real leader, would say, this is not about that. It's about God's vision for my family. If I have a daughter, I'll raise her in the way and the nurture and admonition of God, whatever God calls her to do, blah, blah, blah. She will prosper and succeed, not because she's a female, but because she's called of God. Amen. Male, same thing. I don't know why I'm on this trip, dude, but... No, it's all good, because the... The dividing war happens Gosh. where it's like it's either it's men crept, or it's, women. It's and, crept in the church and it creeps creeps in the church because well, you don't have enough women pastors on stage. What's are they are they fulfilling their calling? Is your calling to be a woman on stage? Well, no. Then why do we care? That's exactly it. Why do, are, why do you care? <laughs> are you called to be a woman of God or called to do your calling? Right, and and with this. Don't take the mantle off the responsibility of, of the man, right? That that mantle of responsibility, don't take that off the man. And I'm not saying, men, if you label yourself patriarch, you've done your work. No, show that pattern of good work. That's exactly it. Of being a patriarch. But sometimes yeah. you have to actually tell yourself, no, wait, I am, so I have to fulfill these works. That's right. I'm, I'm not saying work saving. No, no, right? no, no. Like, that, we're not I talking guess, about salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about We're like, talking about disciplines. Your, your discipline... Sometimes you need the wake up call of like if let's let's put it this way. If you are 
you're a bus driver, right? I've hired you as a bus driver, and you're sitting in the back seat because you've forgotten that I hired you as a bus driver, and you're thinking, well, I'm just here to clean. Maybe I need to look at you and say, I hired you as a bus driver. So you don't just walk around the bus saying, well, I'm the bus driver. I'm, I'm driving the bus. You get in the seat and actually drive the bus. <laughs> and then people call you the bus driver. Exactly. You fulfill the position. Because your works like, justify your calling. Exactly. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded, Bingo. you are the patriarch. Let your works fulfill being a patriarch. What are the works of the patriarch, right? You're leading your family. Guess what? A woman who is fully actualized by her husband, notice by her husband, fully actualized in her position, is the most intimate counselor and helper that that man has. Truth. She's right there with him. They're, they're, they're counseling. They're, they're discussing. They're determining. But somebody has to say, okay, this is where we're going. Yep. Here we go. And actually do the marching to lead the family. Yep. Right? And not just say we're going there and do it with joy and faith, too. Right. Not with complaining. And I've been guilty of that. So, so let's, go, let's go with that for a minute. Go for it. Where have I failed to show you that I'm, we're not just preaching this to preach this. So I run self-evident. I own it. You know, you mm-hmm. help manage it and run it. Carrie also. I'm also an associate pastor at a church, and that's hard to do to ministries, but God's got a grace on it. I, I feel like we're doing it well. Where have I failed? Being indecisive. When I say, no, this is what I'm going to do. And also I'm like, no, but is that really the right move? Blah, blah, blah. And then... What I do is I get angry about my indecisiveness and take it out on people sometimes. Not just not an anger, but almost like almost like a I just want to stay away because I feel guilty of my my inadequacy. Instead of saying, Lord, the the first thing you put in my heart, that's what I should be pursuing. I'm thinking flesh, I'm thinking, what are they gonna think? I'm thinking all these other things. Those are good as checks and balances, not as a guide. And I've said this from the jump. Emotions are terrible leaders, but great companions. Great companions, but terrible leaders. And what happens is you lose the, the, the sight of being a father and a good husband because of emotion, because of like, what will this incite? What will this react? I find, and, and Carrie will attest to this, I've gotten so much counsel from my wife. She's, she's awesome. She's got so much wisdom in her. And so the moment I make a decision, she really does this with me. She's like, you know, it's your call. You know, if this if that's what you feel like we're supposed to do, and it's scary, but mm-hmm. it's like you know what? I really feel like we're supposed to do this. Those are the most blessed positions we've ever been in. When it's like we took a risk, we took a shot. We're gonna we're gonna do it this way. This is what the Lord wants. It's totally unorthodox, but we're gonna do it. And then she'll tell me, she'll tell me every time. Well, it's your choice. I mean, if that's what you want to do, we're gonna follow it. And I love that because she's like, look, I've given you my counsel, but ultimately you run this family. Like you're gonna you're gonna answer mm-hmm. for this family. She's told me that several occasions. You are going to answer for this family. You are the one who took on the mantle for this family. Do you see the freedom in that? She's not looking right. for position and place. She doesn't even care about that stuff. She doesn't care that I'm an associate pastor. She loves that I am. She prays for me that I am. She wants me to prosper and succeed in that. But she's not looking for position saying I'm an associate pastor's wife. She never does that. Matter of fact, she runs from it. It's not her thing. You know what she cares about? Is he prospering so that we could all prosper together? Mm-hmm. Is he adequate enough for his position so that we could all do this together. That's where she goes. I think that's a proper thing. I lost sight of that sometimes. There are issues, many times I've failed in not making a decision, and it, and it hurt us as a family entirely. Yeah, I'm totally with you. you. Know? 
And I think for women, deep down in the biology, they're looking for what? Safety and security, right? It's really what they're, they're looking 100%. for stable ground. If you have a weak, noncommittal, passive man, and we, and we all struggle with that responsibility of making the decisions. There are times where she'll ask me to make a decision. I'm like, I'm so tired of making decisions. Just choose, right? But at the same time, a weak, impassive, noncommittal man who never makes decisions, what's the wife going to feel? Unprotected, unsafe, unstable. So then she'll feel like she has to do it. So then not, not only is she feeling unstable, unsafe, and, and uh, unsecure, she's then feeling bitter at the man because he's not making the decisions she, she knows he should be making. She wants to feel free in the fact that he is making those decisions and going forward so she can flourish and, and do what she's supposed to do, which so many women are geared towards taking care of the family, taking care of the fabric of the family, nourishing the whole process, right? Your wife, she said it to you. What does she care about? The boys. That's all she cares about. She cares about the boys. My wife is the same way. What does she care about? The boys. The home. She wants the home healthy. She wants it safe. She wants the boys to be nourished and raised properly. And if I'm sitting there on the couch going, and, and the boys are all acting a fool, and I'm not discipling and mentoring, and, you know, sometimes with the hand of God, like, <laughs> I she, know that, she, right? She doesn't feel provided for she doesn't feel safe she doesn't feel stable That's right. she feels like she's taking it on herself she wasn't built to take it on herself and she's not supposed to that's not her call that's no. not where she's supposed to be i do think too though that in in the end all of us are called more and more to stand up for righteousness in the things of god i think in a lot of ways we've almost committed ourselves not to stand and then we use it as an excuse not to stand and then we say well lord i tried but, you know, she wouldn't listen. And it's like, <laughs> it's the fact that, and many of you say it, so don't even lie. She just doesn't listen to me. You've never given her a reason to, to me. You've, have you really fasted and prayed about your wife and marriage? I've asked every, almost the divorced couples, did you pray and fast and fight and contend for your marriage? Did you really do that? Really? And how many times? Well, no. Yeah, and I, there are some who have, and yeah. it's just rebellion and whatever. I'm not discouraging that. But for a majority of you, my marriage is unhealthy. It's not right. I'm tired. I'm, I don't love anymore. You know, it's funny. Thank God Christ doesn't think that way of you. Right. And here we're supposed to be the example of Christ to our family as a patriarch, as a men. Hold disciplines, but love well and nurture and admonish. Christ doesn't turn me away. He wants me to repent mm -hmm. of my sins. Can your sons come and talk to you about their issues? If they can't, or your daughters, if they can't, then you've not shown them properly that you will listen to them in their difficulties. And you won't listen to them in their successes. My son Nathan over there and Isaiah, they're, they're both doing the podcast here. My son Nathan doesn't fail almost every day to say, Dad, I coded this game. Dad, I did this. Now, what's crazy is I don't understand that world, but it's like, now I want to get into it. Like I want to learn how to play his games so I can figure out that's where he's going in his life. Isaiah, there's, there's nothing that kid does where it's not methodical. Mm -hmm. He thinks things through. He's like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Uh, and, and, and he will succeed because of the mindset of Christ in him. He's got that kind of 
anointing in his life. My little son, Aaron, just full of life. That kid is up for an adventure. I mean, he would, he would, if it was up to him, he would go everywhere shirtless in flip-flops with no socks and shorts that are backwards, by the way, if it was up to him, because he's just adventurous. I just want to go out and conquer the, you know, he's got that spirit in him, that warrior fight. And you're thinking each one of those are attributes of God somehow. Each one of those, to me, that's a John the Baptist anointing, just that I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and do what, I'm, what I believe I'm going to teach. That's Aaron. You know what I mean? That's that John the Baptist thing. That's that, that's that thing. So how do you admonish that and, and teach that and figure on that? You know, And you keep walking this out going, okay, that's the vision I have for my sons. Lord, what's your vision for them? Right. So now how, how, how does this vision conform to your vision? And my vision can be completely wrong. Because you know? if, if your sons are into computers, they're into technology, and you think they need to be camping and fishing and hunting every day and like, yeah. no, don't you, that's, that's woman crap. You need to, you're wrong. God didn't design them that way. Now, can you teach them some skills and say, hey, I, will say, I totally support computers. Let's go fishing. You guys love yeah. fishing now, right? <laughs> yeah, so cool. they went, so I, we bought them some fishing poles and then everyone, I really, I never really, yeah, I took them anyways. But then all of a sudden they go to North Carolina this, this, this year, a few, few weeks ago yeah. and they go out fishing. They're like, we're going fishing. Like, How did you, what? And I think it's great. You yeah. know, like, that's freaking awesome. It's amazing. And so like, I'm seeing maybe there are things I can't teach them. That's why this whole man of uh, this uh, rite of passage is so huge. There are attributes in each one of you that I don't, I can't, right. possess, I can't put into him. Right. I can do what I can do, but you guys have attributes I want to instill into these guys and that you guys will hold them accountable. That's the point. And it's, again, being a patriarch, showing our wives, man, you mean everything. There's not one thing I do that doesn't have you in mind. And you're a big part of my mind. So I got to make sure you're okay and doing all these things as we grow together. So I love, I love, this is probably something we need to talk about maybe on a later podcast, but I love when my wife dreams. When she says, hey, I'm thinking about this, and it's like, ooh, that's impossible. Fun. Yeah. Let's go get it. You know what I mean? Just when she dreams, it shows me that she's able to dream. It shows me that she's thinking, Massey will help me get there. Right. We're going to do this. To, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas if she didn't dream, I'm not doing enough to show her we can dream together, that yeah. we have dreams that God has given us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. She looks at me saying, dude, we can do this. And it's like, yeah, we can. Right. And she, that puts a trust in me from her and it almost bolsters you it's like man she really does want me to lead it's you know what i mean and that's that's totally for the ladies and i know we've talked about this before is like are you actively encouraging your man if you're looking at your man and man he's just not stepping up i don't know he needs to step up man chicken or the egg like jordan peterson talks about men need so little encouragement yet they get none but they they are shoved into a world that refuses to encourage them. And then the wives look at them and say, well, you're a waste of space. Have you encouraged? Yeah, thanks, because that gets me off the couch. Like, no, I just go deeper into my shell. Like, okay, obviously you're not for me. Like, men need encouragement. And you get these women YouTubers and influencers who are like, men are so sensitive and they're, they, you know, they're, they're so weak. They need a word of encouragement. It's like, golly, somebody needs somebody to, you know, put a little, 
yeah. admonishment into them. But if the he wasn't, little belief in But if he wasn't doing it for you, you'd be pissed off. Right. Tell all your friends. And right. He never tells me complain. I'm beautiful. He never yeah. shows me he loves me. Which, that's a tough one, man. And I, I realize more and more, the more I encourage Carrie, I've figured out her love language, and I try to conform to that. But mine is totally uh, words of affirmation and, and physical touch and Damn all that right. stuff. And uh, I love when people give. Like, it's it's hard for me to receive a gift, but I love it when it happens. It's really cool. So when I compliment her, it's almost like I do it so often that she she totally loves it. I mean, she, she receives it, I should say. Uh, but to her, it's like that's part of my nature. Right. So it's almost kind of like white noise sometimes. And I'm not saying she says this. I'm saying I can feel like I need to go above and beyond just giving her the compliment. I need to show her the compliment. Right. So how do I do that? Acts of service. Quiet time with her. Spending time with her, loving her, giving her things. You know, it goes beyond. That's why this whole love language thing is good, but they all five need to work in t- tandem. I don't care which one you, you dominate in. They, they need to work in tandem to be full. And, and you have to understand the language of your significant other and be willing to, to provide in that way. Because, like, I'm a words of affirmation person. She understands that. So, but she knows that's more than just like, hey, you're a great husband. And then keep doing, you know, like you got to be specific for her. It's spending quality time. It's, it's the acts of service. Right. And I think I've said this before. I would destroy myself trying to figure out the perfect gift for her until like a year ago, not even it hit me like a revelation. It's like, wait a second. Gifts is like her number five out of five. Why am I racking myself trying to find the perfect gift when that's not the number one for her? It's not her thing. It's not her thing. She enjoys getting the gift. She enjoys when I think about her in that way. But she's not going, I need the perfect gift for him to show me he loves me. She's going, can we just spend some quality time together? That's a great gift. You know, and as a patriarch, you are paying attention to that. And as a round out with your kids, you know, like we were saying before, do not force your vision onto your kids. If your kids have a direction and a pathway and a purpose that the Lord is leading them in and they're showing signs of that, you're doing them a disservice by trying to hold them back from that. If your son, like the example I used, if your son is so into technology, he loves computers, he loves programming, creativity like that, you're doing him a disservice by saying, no, we're going to throw out your computer and you're, you're going to build fires all day. He's going to hate you, he's going to hate being outdoors, and he's going to hate life, and he's going to rebel. What he wants is his father to help him along the path and show investment in that. When the father comes alongside and is like, okay, I don't understand this world, but man, you love it, so I want to learn more about it. Like That speaks life into the son where he goes, I can do this. I can go forward, right? And that's what God does for us. He places the desires on our heart, right? He's the one who places them on our heart and then fulfills them, right? So if God's placed a desire on your heart to be a writer or to create a TV show or to be a musician, would God then turn around as a good father and say, well, I put it in you and I'm watching you do it, but I don't want you to do it. That's right. No. And I was using this example with somebody the other day. I have absolutely, and if he puts it in me, it's it's the Lord's doing and I'll go where he directs me. I have no desire in me whatsoever to mud hut Africa. I have no desire within me. It's not that I don't love people in Africa. 
but there's no desire in me. So it would not be a good father. It would, yeah, it wouldn't be a labor of love. We'll put it that no, way. No, no, it would not be a good father to put desire in me to do what I'm doing here and then say, but you can't ever do that. I'm going to send you to a mud hut for 20 years. Yeah. But I'm not going to instill the desire in you. You know, like a good father guides, disciples, mentors, provides opportunity to help shape the the son as well as the wife. Amen. You and I both want to fulfill where our wives want to go. Do. Our job is to figure out where does she want to go? What is what makes her live life to the fullest? And I've got to make a way. Right. And so you as a patriarch, that's right. You as a patriarch, or you as a wife to a patriarch, step forward into the mantle and start doing the works that show you're a patriarch. And if you do that over the long period of time, you will be sitting with gray hairs having a, a family around you that honors and respects you Truth. because you have honored and respected them. Amen. All right. So fulfill the patriarchy. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. We will see y'all Friday. Bye. Right. Love y'all.